Now let's turn to the Word of God, Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 15. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Gracious God, this morning we need to hear from you. We pray that you would quiet those thoughts that would distract us, that you would open our eyes that we might see you, open our ears that we might indeed hear from you, open our hearts that we would receive all that you have for us this day. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. I want to start out this morning with a little heart-to-heart conversation with some of the younger people here, some of the kids, if that's okay. Uh, I'm hoping that some of the kids can agree with me that sometimes it is hard to listen to our parents, right? Sometimes it's hard, all right? Sometimes you're just playing that video game, right? You're into it. Maybe you're watching your favorite TV show. Maybe you're just, you know, working on those math flashcards, maybe, right? Uh, and, And your parents say, hey, it's time to come for dinner. Or, hey, it's time to put on your shoes. We're about to go now. And somehow it just doesn't compute, right? Sometimes you, for whatever reason, you just don't hear it. And now uh, imagine with me if your uh, parents said this to you. What if they said, hey, listen, if you want to stay alive, I need you to listen to me, right? If uh, this is a matter of life and death, I need you to hear me right now. And some parents are thinking that sounds like the bedtime routine every night, (laughs) all right? But we can all acknowledge that we listen a little bit differently when it's a matter of life and death. Right, I can assure you, you listen differently to first-time skydiving instructions than you do on instructions on how to change the office copier's toner, right? You listen differently. And when we come to this passage in Romans 8, we flash back 2,000 years, uh, Paul's readers, would have, their ears would have perked out, up because he's talking about matters of life and death. In verses 12 and 13, when he's talking about how you live, if you live by the flesh or the deeds of the body, you're you're going to die. But if you live by the Spirit, then surely you will live. And in the context of this discussion of life and death matters, he talks to us about a particular metaphor, a particular topic, and that is adoption. All right, when it comes to adoption, back in Paul's day, it would have had significantly to do with their family inheritance. And and the Christian audience there in Rome would have had an understanding of this notion of adoption. They would have known that for the one that's adopted into the family, all of their previous debts, all of their obligations would have been forgiven. And when they come into this family, this new family, they receive all the rights and all the privileges, all the wealth 
of their new family, of their new father. So Paul wants us to see adoption, and he wants the people that he's writing to to understand their identity. He says, listen, guys, you're no longer slaves. You don't have the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. That is, your identity is not marked primarily about this fearful servitude. No, you you have the spirit of adoption. So get this and understand this. To be a Christian, this morning, to be a Christian, and for the audience that Paul is writing to, to be a Christian is to be adopted. And in this season where we're... uh, meditating on what we're thankful for in this season when we're about to buy gifts for those that we love, there's no greater gift that we have to be thankful for than we have been adopted by God and brought into his family. All right, and adoption is a gift that keeps on giving, all right? Kind of like that bread maker that I got my wife for her birthday this summer. All right, it's just a gift that keeps on giving. In the gift of adoption, we get intimacy and we get security. For you and for me, being adopted by God brings intimacy and security. That means we approach our God now as a son and daughter. He's no longer this abstract theological proposition. He's not this distant clockmaker. He's not this disappointed taskmaster. He is a loving father. And now when I, I know when I say that word father... It could conjure up all kinds of different notions depending on your life experience. Some of us had a father that left at an early age. Some of us had a father we wish would have left at an early age because they were so nasty. We know something of what a good father is because we recognize a bad one, right? Now, some of us had good and loving and gracious fathers, and we can be thankful for that. I wish I could spend all day unpacking the father heart of God. If you need to see it, look look at Luke chapter 15 and the story of the prodigal son, and you will see the father heart of God. But we have a good, good father. Children, uh, let me think about the way that you engage with your parents, with your father or your mother. Let's say this week, kids, you get hurt. You're in basketball practice because that's starting up now, or you're riding on your scooter, and you fall down and you get hurt. Tell me, kids, do you do this? Do you go, ouch, I hurt myself. Let me think how I've been performing this week behavior-wise, and if I've been doing okay, maybe I'll cry out to dad for help. That's not what you do, is it? Right? Kids, when you get hurt, you instinctively cry out to your parents for help, to your father for help. When kids are lost, when they're scared, when they need something, When they direct direction and insight, they instinctively turn to their parents. What Paul says here is that you've been adopted by God and you can turn to your God in those situations. You have that kind of intimacy. Adoption brings to us intimacy. And I know for some of us in here, that's really hard to believe, that God cares for us like a father. In fact, that might be one of the hardest things for us to believe. And that's why I really appreciate what Paul goes on to say in verses 16 and 17. We didn't read that earlier. Let me read it for you quickly. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. 
this morning, you might look inside yourself or you might look around at your circumstances and you might say, there's no way I'm in relationship with the loving Father. But the Spirit of God was sent by Him to you so that in those times, the Spirit Himself might impress upon your soul, yes, indeed you are. The Father's love rests upon you. We read here, being a son and daughter doesn't mean you avoid suffering. In fact, it invites a particular kind of suffering. But you will not be alone in the midst of it. And the Father will see you through to glory. So adoption brings intimacy. Adoption also brings security. Adoption brings security. Because you think if you're in a relationship with God based on your performance or based on what you've done, then you're, con- you're going to battle this ever-present anxiety, this ever-present insecurity of, have I done enough? Or last night, did I mess it up? with what I said or with what I did? Have I finally blown it? But adoption brings security because of this. Think about this. All of us in here, from the very youngest to the very oldest, we're all sons and daughters. Everybody sitting in these pews, you are a son or daughter. Let me ask you this. What did you have to do with yourself becoming a son or daughter? What, what role did you play in making that happen? Biologically speaking, physically speaking, how were you involved in making yourself a son or daughter? You weren't involved, right? You didn't have anything to do with it. And the same is true of you being a son and daughter of God. Right? You're a son and daughter of God. I'm a son of God, not because of anything I've done, but because of what the only begotten son has done. Right? It's his work that makes me an adopted son. It's the work of Christ that brings us into the family of God. And so we don't have to worry about our performance because we trust in the performance of another. You see those words in verse 15. You see an Aramaic word, Abba, and a, and a Greek word, pater, which means father. So you see Abba, father, just so it removes any doubt. This is a personal, intimate relationship we have with God. He is our Abba Father. You want to know the one other time in the Gospels where we see that word Abba? We see it in Mark chapter 14. We see that word Abba. And it's on the eve of his crucifixion where Jesus uses it to cry out to God using that most intimate and personal time. He says, Abba, if it's possible for this cup to pass from me, if it's possible to miss out on this ordeal that's coming my way, please let that be the case. And then he says, but not my will, but your will be done. You see that the true and greater son lays down his will for all the times that you and I refuse to do so. And that's why we're brought into the family of God if we put our hope and trust in him. Friends, we are not sons and daughters of performance. We are sons and daughters of the promise. The promise that all who hope in Christ will find forgiveness and salvation and inclusion into the family of God. Let me give you a couple uh, thoughts for, for application here. There's a class here at McLean Perez uh, called the Cross Course. 
And in it, one of the first exercises you do is uh, an exercise that helps you to consider whether or not you are living as an orphan or a slave, as Paul says, or whether or not you're living as a child of God. Are you living in light of your identity as a son or daughter of God, or are you living like an orphan and slave? And as you go through this class, as you go through this course, uh, you come across this document that sets those two realities apart from each other, and you can kind of go through it and mentally tick off, does that mark my life, or does this mark my life? Because see, I live like an orphan when I am concerned about building a record of deeds that needs noticing and defending. Right, But I live like a child of God when Christ's righteousness is my record, so I stand complete in him. That's the difference between living like an orphan and living like a son or daughter. When I live like an orphan, I wish people would see things my way, and I need to be in control of situations and other people. But when I live like a child of God, I am becoming Christ-controlled, loving others in the power of the Spirit, not in the strength of my sinful nature. When I live like an orphan, I really, I really don't share the gospel, right? Because the Christian life isn't good news. It's based on my performance, and it's full of pressure. If I do share it, it's out of obligation. But if I'm living like a son, I want people to meet the Jesus that I know. I want people to come into the family that I've come into and meet my father. That's what it means to live like a son or daughter. Lastly, we're about to take up an offering. And you know, or if you've been around, you know, these past few weeks, we've been talking about our Thanksgiving offering, and we've been talking about Project Belong, and that we're raising funds so that kids in foster homes might be paired or matched with Christian families. Because God's heart is for the abandoned child. All throughout the Old Testament, you know what he calls himself? A father to the fatherless. And in James, he says the true religion is to look after the care of orphans. All right, so I hope you see from even this passage, the reason we care a lot about Project Belong is because God cares a lot about orphans. And he's made us his sons and daughters. So as we raise these funds... If we raise $60,000, that means connecting 40 kids to families. And the more funds we raise, the more kids we can connect to families. $120,000, 80 kids connected to families. But when we talk about numbers, we always have to remember those numbers are souls. Those numbers are people. Some of you heard me share my story on our all-church retreat Right, You know, this topic and this project is close to my heart. Why? Because I grew up with a single mother. And by the time we got to high school, she wasn't able and have the resources to take care of me anymore. And so there was a family, a Christian family that realized, hey, this kid's living in his truck. And they invited me into their home. And they made me their son. And they introduced me to Jesus Christ. Right? So he, here's Christ followers entering into my brokenness and bringing hope and healing. And all the while, they were loved and supported by this small mountain church. And that's what we want to see happen here in the churches of Northern Virginia. We want to see that happen time and time again. That children are connected to families because 
believers know how much they've been loved in God and brought into his family, they can't help but give and love and serve and resource. So practically speaking about this offering, when you give, remember, we're, we're called to give to this offering over and above our giving to the general fund. If you're giving, you can mark on the envelope. This is for the Thanksgiving offering. You can designate online. This is for the Thanksgiving offering. A lot of times you can't give a lot, and that's okay. Our giving here is marked by modest but sacrificial giving. All right? And, and hear this. We don't give to this because we're good people, and, well, that's just what good people do. Now, we, we give to things like Project Belong because we realize we were broken people. We were lost people. We were those that were abandoned, and God pursued us, sent his son Christ, and brought us into his family. And when we realize what we've received in Christ and all that we have, we can freely give, cheerfully give that others might know his hope and his healing. Let us pray. Father, indeed, I pray that you would impress upon our souls that we are your sons and daughters, that because of the work Christ has done, we have hope and we have family. Father, help us to see that even the faith we have in Christ is a gift that comes from you. And Father, help me and my friends to live in light of our identity. Save us from fear and anxiety that comes from forgetting that we are your sons and daughters. But by your spirit, would you remind us that you have called us into your family And you are indeed our loving Father because of the work of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.